been on a journey together on taking ground in spirit together and in particular looking at the practice of corporate presence. We've looked at the idea that it's different when we're together. It's not about me and my spiritual experience or doing my religious duty. Uh, it's about coming together for the sake and for the good of us all to build up the church. And when we're talking about the church, we're talking about the institution, the building, the organization. We're talking about the people, uh, the common, the group, the corporate. I'm here to build up everyone in that room, not just build up myself. We've talked about the need to bring our fire, to bring a sacrifice of praise, to come prepared with something to offer. You know, as Paul said, everyone brings something to the gathering when we are gathered. And now I want to dive into an example of taking ground, of corporate taking ground in Scripture. But first, let me just remind us, when we're together, we are not just performing a religious duty or a ritual. We are there as the army of God and we are there to take ground in spirit together. We are there to see people's chains hit the ground. We are there to see strongholds break, deliverance happen, perspective to be opened up, destinies unlocked and a shift in the spiritual atmosphere in the region in which we're meeting. You know, we, we've got a... We've got a pretty big um, goal ahead of us when we get together. It's not just about coming together to have a spiritual experience. We're actually wanting to take ground. So as I said, I want to look at a story of corporate taking ground and drawing some learnings about taking ground from that story. I want to go to Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through to 16. It says... Now the city of Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go straight up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, Do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. 
The city and all that is in it are, devoted, are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. And so on we go. Um, and we hear, you know, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, uh, the sound of the trumpet, the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, everyone charged straight in, they took the city. Pretty cool story right there. So let's have a look at what was happening in this particular story. God had given Joshua some very specific instructions as to what to do. In verses 3 or 4, it was march around the city once for six days. Seven priests carrying the trumpets for six days. Then the seventh day, march around it seven times with the priests blowing the trumpet. Verse 5, on the long trumpet blast, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse. Go in, take the city. Verse 10, he says, don't even say a word until I tell you to shout. And then verse 16, shout for the Lord has given you the city. So there are a number of instructions in there that God had, had given to Joshua as the leader of the people of Israel at that point in time. Now, for the sake of our learning, I, I want to I put something out there. If this was a modern day worship service with the standard consumer mentality, let me tell you how some of these instructions would have played out. Well, marching around once a day, yeah, look, I could deal with that. It's not too long. It means I can still, uh, I can still get to mum's for a late lunch. Yeah, that'll be okay. Um, at least three out of the seven priests would have said, look, do I, do I need to bring my trumpet every single time? You know, we've got seven of them. Surely four trumpets is enough. Yeah, it makes a great sound. Maybe I'll leave here and maybe we could take it in turns. Maybe we could roster the trumpets rather than having to carry all of us, carry that weight, you know, around the city. You know, what do you think, Joshua? Then when we then we get to the walk around seven times, you know, why seven? You know, we, we walked around it once a day for six days and nothing happened. You know, what, what, what's this got to accomplish anyway? Uh, look, I can commit to three times, but seven times, that's going to take too long. My attention span isn't that good. And then the instruction in verse 10 was, no one is to say a word until I tell you to. Yeah, I can imagine that being, well, look, actually, I'm an extrovert. It's how God's made me. I just, I just have to talk. I'm sorry, I can't do that. That's not my personal preference. You know, verse 16, when he says, shout and God will give you the city, I can imagine, well, well I'm an introvert. I actually don't do loud expressions. You know, it, it's, it's not my personality. I'm sorry. So I'm just going to do what I do. Okay, so what am I trying to say here? As we gather together, we are on a mission to take ground. In the physical territory, in the spirit realm, over that particular territory, we're wanting to take ground there. We're wanting to see a thin place where the veil between heaven and earth is thin. It's easy for people to encounter God in that place. We want to see ground taken in people's hearts. We're not just there, as I've said, to perform a, a religious duty or to have a spiritual experience. So when someone is leading the meeting, whether they're leading worship, whether they're exhorting, bringing a prophetic word or declaration of some sort, they've been given spiritual authority for that time to take us somewhere. And more often than not, they've been praying and preparing for it all week or maybe longer. So in Joshua's scenario, God gave instructions to the leader and it was the job of the people to follow the lead. 
You might go, oh, hang on, that's just like, I'm just going to be a puppet. Well, actually, it's not about being a puppet in this instance. It's about honoring the role of leadership that is operating at that time so that we all break through and take ground. So if a worship leader, one of us, you know, core team, whoever it is, if one of us is giving direction or instruction of something that we need to do, it's actually for a reason. It is to take us to a greater level of breakthrough or a greater level of intimacy. Getting in behind the leadership who is tasked with taking us into that territory is really, really critical to all of our breakthrough. You might be saying, well, I'm just, I'm just not really connecting with what they're doing. You know, they're telling me to jump and dance, but I'm just, I'm just not connecting with that. But you know what? It may actually not be about you. It may be about someone else this particular day. And it's not about whether you're connecting with it and having your experience. Someone else needs the level of breakthrough and you responding in faith and going and bringing a sacrifice of praise in that moment by, be going, by going beyond what's comfortable for you is part of what brings the corporate breakthrough. And I'll talk some more about that in a moment. Bill Johnson has a, a saying that he calls honor the point. And um, the point is like, this is literally a hunting dog. When they can smell a particular scent of the animal that they are chasing, they kind of go on point. You know, one of the legs cocks, they stick their nose forward. I actually had my next door neighbor's dog do that in the front yard once. I don't know what it was pointing at. But the whole idea is, it's, is the dog, the hunting dog is going, there's gold, you know, there's target that way. And what Bill Johnson talks about is we need to honor the point. You know, when a leader points, whether you see it or not, you honor the point and follow the scent of where that prophetic dog, so to speak, for want of a better word, is pointing so that we can all break through. It, it's not about, well, I, I'm not actually feeling that at the moment, brother. Um, no, it, this is about honoring the point that leadership is giving. So if a leader says, let's all stand, or a leader says, we need to move our feet and dance as a prophetic act, or let's raise our hands and give a shout, whatever it is, it's actually not about your preference at that moment. It's about trusting and honoring the leadership that is operating for the sake of all of us and for the breakthrough of all of us. The temptation, as I said, is just go, well, I'm not connecting with that. I, I don't do that. That's not my preference. I prefer to do this. When we act like that, what we're effectively saying, um, my personal preferences are more important than corporate breakthrough. There is sacrifice for the sake of the corporate, but when we all sacrifice for the sake of each other, we all go higher and we all take more ground. So when I choose my own preference over getting in behind that leader, I'm effectively saying to the rest of the room, my comfort is more important than your breakthrough. That's what we're doing. And you know what? I don't think that's in any of our hearts. I don't think any of us uh, would do that intentionally, but I do want to suggest that we do do it pragmatically without realizing that that's what we're doing. So I want to raise our awareness of that and then raise our intentionality about getting in behind our worship leaders, getting in behind our core team and leaders so that when they point at something and say, hey, there's something for us to do, there's something for us to go after here, whether you're feeling it or not, jump in behind. Why? Because there's power in agreement. 
There is power in agreement. Psalm 133, many of us have read it. Yeah, how good and blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And it describes what that's like. And that psalm ends with, for there the Lord commands blessing, even life forevermore. In other words, when we are in unity together as brothers and sisters in Jesus, there is commanded blessing. We don't even have to, we don't have to ask for blessing. It's already commanded because of the unity. That is the power of agreement. Genesis chapter 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel. And verse 6, um, God observes what they're doing. These people are going, let's build a city. Um, uh, sorry, let's build a tower that reaches to heaven so that we can make a name for ourselves. And God sees what they're doing. And he says in Genesis 11 verse 6, if they as one people speaking one language have begun to do this, then nothing will be impossible for them. Now that's on the bad side. They were basically building a tower that exalted themselves over God. And they said, yeah, if they are of one people, one language, nothing will be impossible for them. How much more is that true on the good side, empowered by the Holy Spirit as one people together yeah, homothumadon, as that word is in the book of Acts, one in heart and mind with a fiery passion. How much more is possible for us? But for significant breakthrough, simple principle in the spirit realm, there has to be a certain level of agreement in the room for breakthrough to happen. I call it the critical mass. It's a scientific atomic term. And the whole idea is that you cause an atomic explosion when the particles reach this thing called critical mass. In other words, there's enough energy released to cause this synergistic explosion that's way bigger than the sum of the parts. Um, and it causes this atomic bomb to go off. That's, that's critical mass. Now, if you don't believe me around this whole thing of corporate agreement and the effect on the atmosphere and breakthrough, many of you have heard me talk about this passage before. It is so telling. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. It's Jesus when he is at Nazareth. And he is speaking and yeah, he starts with some good favor in the crowd. But then people go, hang on, aren't his mother and brothers here with us? Isn't this Joseph's boy, the carpenter's son? And it says, and they took offense at him. In other words, they lost their honor for who he is. This is the passage where it says, you know, prophet is without honor um, in his hometown. What happened there because of their offense at Jesus, um, because of their over familiarity, if you like, with him, it created a corporate atmosphere of unbelief that shut down even Jesus' ability to do significant miracles. Like, did you catch that? It shut down even Jesus' ability to do significant miracles. So because there was no corporate anointing there, he had to go back to his own personal anointing, which he said he was only able to lay his hands on a few sick people so that they might recover. But what that is saying is so much more was possible in that moment if there was a corporate atmosphere of faith and hunger. But because that wasn't there, Jesus could only rely on his own personal anointing and a few people got healed. Interestingly, as I've said many times before, that would be our best meeting. If a few people got healed, that was Jesus' worst meeting. So we've still got a long way to go um, to get anywhere near where the anointing of Jesus was operating. But the point is the corporate anointing is higher than the individual anointing because there is power in agreement. We see Jesus saying, well, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. When two or three ask anything in my name, it will be done for them. There is power in agreement. 
Too often, there is just not enough engagement or agreement or engagement and agreement in the room for anything significant to happen. And then we go away and go, ah, oh, church wasn't really that good today. Not much was happening. Instead, what we should be doing is ask, instead of asking each other, how was church? We should be looking each other in the eye and going, how did you go today? Did you bring a sacrifice of praise? Did you give yourself so that others could get breakthrough? How did you go at, at following where the, where the corporate environment was going or did you just make it all about you? They're the sorts of questions that we really should be asking ourselves. But we're too used to this consumer mentality that says, it's all about me. And as a result, we tend to not take ground and we tend to go away frustrated going, ah, church just wasn't really happening. And we're not realizing that we, every single one of us, has a responsibility to bring our fire into the environment, to get into agreement so that we can all flow together. So I want to challenge us. We are in a season, we're in a prophetic season that is about taking ground. And right now we're looking at taking ground in the spirit realm together, creating a thin place where it is easy for people to experience the presence of God, where, you know, people walk up to the community center and check it out all the time or want to sit in the seats up there. Wouldn't it be amazing if they suddenly get touched by the presence and power of Jesus while they're sitting outside, don't even know what's going on and walk in and go, you've got to tell me what's going on here because I'm experiencing love like I've never experienced it. Who are you people and what are you doing? How good would that be? That's the sort of thing we're talking about when we're take, taking ground. Now, I want to challenge you. When we come together, it is important. Get behind whoever's leading that meeting, whoever's leading worship or speaking or exhorting. Get in behind the leadership, engage, get in agreement, even if you're not feeling it. Obviously, like if someone's doing something heretical, of course, you know, that's not the rule, that's the exception. Get in behind the leadership, engage, because you are either contributing to the critical mass, the level of agreement, or you're taking away from it. And you go, oh, I'm just ambivalent. No, ambivalence is, is sitting on the taking away side because it's not agreement. We need a critical mass for breakthrough to happen. We need a level of agreement. It's not about hype. It's about agreement in spirit that creates something that sends shockwaves into the spiritual realm that enables stuff to happen and that brings heaven and releases it down into earth. So here's the challenge. Let's all step up together and let's see the water level of the Spirit's activity rise. Let's see the intensity of His fire increase so that all of us come to a greater level of breakthrough and our community starts asking, what is going on when you guys worship? Everything's different. Bless you.